Welcome to the Coaching in Clubland podcast. My name is Mitch Johnston and I'll be your host. Coaching in Clubland is an Aussie podcast designed for current and aspiring coaches from all levels and across a range of sports to share their experiences about the caper. We discuss the roller coaster that is the coaching experience, the highs, the lows, the joys and the pitfalls. I caught the coaching bug as a teenager and have been fortunate enough to hold various coaching roles within cricket and footy clubs over the last 15 years. Through these experiences and my interactions as a player, I've come across many great and some not so great coaches in Clubland. We'll aim to keep things simple, practical and relatable so that you can apply these insights to your own coaching experiences. Sit back, grab a cuppa and please enjoy the episode. In this episode of Coaching in Clubland, we speak to Lauren Spark. Sparky plays in the AFLW for the Western Bulldogs, where as a key defender, she played in a premiership in 2018 and racked up 28 games before a severe high ankle injury ruled her out of the 2021 season. Prior to her footy career, Lauren was an outstanding beach volleyballer, representing both Victoria and Australia in a career that spanned over a decade. Sparky was also nominated for the prestigious Jim Steins Community Leadership Award in 2020 and co-founded Crosscoders, a global program that provides women with opportunities in sport. In our chat with Lauren, we talk about coaching pathways for female coaches, attributes that are transferable for dual sport athletes, and her plans post-playing career. Welcome to the Coaching Clubland podcast, Lauren Spark. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on. Firstly, how are you spending lockdown and how is the recovery tracking with your ankle injury? Yeah, so we got a one-year-old pup, so she's loving lockdown. We're out a couple of times a day trying to get her walk, so she's loving it. I'm completing an assignment actually at the moment. I've I've gone back in and done some play development course through the AFL. So I'm currently finishing off that assessment. So hopefully I'll I'll pass that um, in a couple of weeks. But yeah, other than that, not not going into uh, any kind of crazy sourdoughs or anything like that. But um, no, just kind of keeping fit and and trying as best I can to to rehab. I guess it's hard without gyms at the moment. So just doing again back to the home gym and bits and pieces. So And lucky I live with a physio as well, which is great, and my partner. So the ankles, it's coming along slowly. A few of the boys at the AFL are really quick to get back going with the syndesmosis. But, yeah, post-surgery, I have really just slowed it right down. I was not in any hurry to kind of get back through the winter, to be honest. And, yeah, I think just see how this goes. And I I think I'm, I'm really nearing the end of my playing time, I think. After this surgery, I think it's just, yeah, slowed me down a lot more than I thought. And the syndesmosis injury is all the rage at the moment. It's really sort of popped up in the oh, last two or three it's years. It's niche, isn't it? It's just, it's uh, right on the money. I thought I'd get involved in in everything that, that's come about. I feel like it's been around for years. It just has a name now. And yeah, yeah quite a few of the boys have done it now. And yeah, along with myself. So I hadn't heard of it really prior to myself. And now I've joined the club, I guess, the Cindy Club. It's like the old osteitis pubis back in the early 2000s. That was all the rage. <laughs> so it's, it's the... Exactly. Now, I'm going to hit you up with a few questions around coaching because you did mention that you're nearing the end of your playing career. And as an educator yourself and someone who's really passionate about coaching, I think that transition period is really interesting. And I guess the first question is around, you know, the 14 AFLW clubs at the moment, there's one female coach. Uh, In your mind, is this an issue? It's not an issue as such. I guess you want the the right people in the the job. But at the moment, unfortunately, that's, that's where it's at because the experience and the pathways just haven't been there for women. So I think that's where it's at. The, the AFL and, and other entities are trying to get more kind of funding and more women involved and various kind of sponsorships and grants and things like that to kind of get the girls um, involved a bit more and push for female coaches. But, yeah, I guess just in the way that the female playing group 
has evolved as likewise with the coaches so um, with anything it'll take time we'll see some more I guess it's hope in the next few years but yeah slow and steady on the coaching front I think and it might take some time for that to catch up with how the playing side of things is going women's football in the last four or five years has just been an absolute boom you know out in the suburbs mm. and I think that there's probably a bit of a lag with, with the coaching aspect there so I'm sure that'll catch up over time as you, as you suggest yeah absolutely and you'll start to see some of the girls that do retire fall naturally into that kind of category and progress that way post playing football so there's going to be plenty available I'd say and your time in the, at the doggies you played in the flag in 2018 which would have been incredible I'm sure but the year prior you guys finished second last in 2017 and I'm wondering what changes Paul Groves implemented to to see such a growth in in the team's performance in just the one season yeah look and even then we were lucky to even scrape in second last it came down to that last game of the season and we just beat the Giants so we were even lucky to scrape in second last yeah we kind of were just going off what the boys had done in season one and and set our whole program around what we knew from the boys because it was all brand new for us all so yeah, Paul went about changing a fair few different things. We, we brought in an actual skills development coach and we really just went back to, to fundamentals with that. So a lot of just hands on the ball, um, repetition, time and time again, hands, feet, all sorts of different things, manipulating of the ball, really just getting back to Because, for example, me, I, I took up the sports quite late anyway. So I, I needed that time to just have a lot of kind of manipulating of the ball and yeah, we spoke about kind of really controlling the ball possession footy. Uh, it helps as well when you draft Monconti in um, and a couple other <laughs> decent names as well and you have a, a list of girls that, that yeah, really did work work together. We we put a bit of time into moving away from those pre-season camps where you run around and do some weights and have a kick and do some crazy stuff with some ex-army people and, and stuff like that. We moved into a bit more of a leadership space and really getting to know each other and tears were shed and things like that and it yeah I guess it just brought us all together so it was just a bit more of a uh, I guess unified group and then yeah we did that really well and and I guess other teams saw that and swooped the following year and we were pretty much pillaged the year after with expansion teams and and girls moving around so but yeah 2018 was yeah it was a hell of a ride and you see that you know even with the way that Melbourne Footy Club going the AFL men's at the moment and you hear the impact that Mark Williams has had around ball use and kicking and mm-hmm. using the footies more at training. It's probably something we've gone away from, you know, with players getting flogged on the track and some of the things you mentioned in pre-season that do occur. At the end of the day, if you can't execute, you know, the main skill, uh, which is kicking the yeah. footy, it's going to be, a, a, you know, a real issue. And speaking of skills and attributes, you had a decade-long career with beach volleyball. What are some of the things that you think were transferable from your volleyball career to your footy career? Well, something that wasn't transferable was the spike jump in the ruck. <laughs> that was not nice. In my second game, I found out very quickly about getting the knee up and protecting yourself. But I won't go into that. <laughs> I, I, it's Again, it's just ball handling, isn't it? It's the same thing. It's They're two very different sports. I was running around in the summer in a bikini versus in the winter in mud and with 18 other girls like it was they're polar opposites but still team sports you still have to deal with uh relationships and building cohesive unit you have to yeah it's all that kind of ball manipulation stuff as well um admittedly it's slightly different skills but different shaped balls but yeah I guess you can kind of transfer the mindset stuff and your off field off the pitch stuff 
but yeah, when it comes down to it, it's it's a team sport at the end of the day, and it's it's working as a close unit. It was fairly easy. It was I'd always had a foot in my hand as a kid. I just never really, yeah, I was never allowed or able to play as a junior. And you and I used to work alongside each other, and I used to love going into school sports on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. You'd be you'd be drilling passes down my throat, just and... taking balls at each other. <laughs> kids, kids would sort themselves out. Uh, good yeah, no, nah, that was yeah, no, nah, that that was fun, and that was the extent of it. I like kick about in the the street with the kids at school after school um, when I was a kid, and yeah, that's as, as far as it went for me. So um, I'd always loved the game, and a mad North Melbourne supporter from a young age. So. Yeah, to be able to play it now, and that was yeah, it was it was huge. So when you did make that transition, what were some of the support structures around you? Did you seek out any specialist coaches to try and fast track your skills? Was there anything that you time at Melbourne Uni or even at the Bulldogs when you started there? Things that they did to support you make that transition as well? Uh, yeah, so there are a lot more people available than I guess beach volleyball. You kind of fend for yourself. The the, the resources you have within a footy club is just unbelievable there's there's that many people there's almost more staff than players at sometimes and a lot of it comes down to kind of reaching out yourself like it's hey I know I'm, I'm new to the sport I, I really need to to work on a lot of things actually but you kind of pick out the, the first one you can uh, I guess attack first and hit first and, and the easiest one to kind of get a hold of first and then you pull on the likes of people who have played since they were younger and yeah I, I think in that first Bulldogs year, Astor O'Connell was a teammate and um, she'd been in the game for a long time. So got some, yeah, I guess, ruck work craft from her and, and you just pick up bits along the way, the various teams and people you meet. I was lucky enough to play in the, the exhibition games and Kate Ludkins, again, uh, one of our best defenders in the game was in the team as well. So you just pick up bits along the way from various girls that you, you meet and, and the coaching staff that you have along the way as well. Now, during 2015 and 2016, you moved over to the UK to, I guess, change things up a little bit. And you set up a few things around AFL over there as well. So you took an assistant coaching role with the Great Britain Swans and uh, set up a junior club. How rewarding were some of these roles and what coaching takeaways did you glean from those experiences? Yeah, I'd only been in the game myself for a couple of years by then anyway. And I kind of just said, yeah, I need to kind of get out of this bubble here and and change it up. I was also nearing 30. So it was kind of a pre-30 freak out, got my visa and traveled over. I got there and they just thought I was the best thing ever. And I really wasn't like I I knew minimal, but I guess I knew a little bit more than than some of the expats that were there. So they welcomed me with open arms, the the Wimbledon Hawks. and, And it was the very first year just by chance that the women's teams were developing. So it was four teams when I first got there. Um, some week we'd just ring each other and go, oh, how many you got? Yeah, we got 12. Yeah, righto, let's go. We'll, we'll have a match. And you really had to step back from that professional stuff and really, again, go back to basics. This was even like teaching rules of the game along the way. So that part was really fun. And girls and guys just eating off every word you were kind of saying was was awesome. And um, it's exactly what I needed it at that time and met some really passionate people. Not all, not all Aussies, just just a lot of passionate people about our game. And um, the one in particular, Lisa Wilson and I started the Clapham Cubs. We were based in Clapham, the heart of Aussie expats there. And yeah, saw there was a few kids around, obviously with a teaching background and Lisa just a passion for, for teaching the game. Yeah, started that junior club to kind of get it happening a bit more. There was um, some great parks available. There was We had some spare time on the weekends and 
yeah, just wanted to run some coaching and drills again, really basic stuff of basic skills and, and rules as well. And that was super rewarding. And then, yeah, just fell into the coaching space with the Great Britain Swans because I wasn't obviously allowed to play. I'm not a national. So I, um, yeah, helped out with, with those girls who eventually ended up coming out here in 2017 to play in the um, yeah International Cup that was out here. So um, they spent three weeks in Melbourne playing against various other teams and, and countries and they did, yeah, really well. And probably a nice little segue to the work you did with CrossCoders and you're the co-founder of that program. Uh, can you tell us about the program and the success stories that have emerged from CrossCoders as well? Again, the people I met while abroad are very passionate and um, in particular kind of the, you see the, the Gaelic Irish girls with their standard of training and their standard of elite, their elite sport without being paid. So Jason and I, yeah, went about how can we get these girls involved in our game? They've got such great work ethic. They're already elite skills. And again, we spoke about transferable skills, um, different shape ball, but similar movements, similar running needed, similar thought in terms of game style needed. So other than changing the ball over, there wasn't much that needed to kind of develop. And then we ended up randomly just on this crazy journey of we brought out 18 girls in, in 2018 and ran a training camp here and, and put them in, in front of the list managers and coaches of, of clubs. And we ended up with three girls signed that year. And one of the bigger success stories is probably Ailish Considine, who's uh, ended up as a premiership player with the Crows. So um, that was awesome. I ended up in with a teammate in um, Ash McCarthy as well. And Yvonne Bonner went up to the GWS Giants as well. So had a, a good couple of years up there with them and kicked some ripping goals with them. So we've seen that. And then the following year, we thought how could, we couldn't just keep bringing these girls out. We, we wanted to see more of them. And the following year when we could travel, myself and Jason, I flew out to Ireland for a crazy four-day training camp. It was a whirlwind. But, um, yeah, and just managed to see a lot more girls then. And we ended up with another 10 or 11 signed then so a couple to Frio a couple to West Coast nearly every club had one of our girls that we'd we'd helped out with and Jason is a accredited player agent as well so helped manage and and settle them into various parts of Australia I guess so and then Orla O'Dwyer ended up winning the flag again this year with Brisbane as one of the uh, she would have gone close to winning best on in in my opinion but she was one of the top three on, on the grand final day that's for sure. That's got to be a pretty good feeling, giving all these you know, girls an opportunity to venture out to Australia and play professional sport. I mean, how does that lie with you? Oh, it's yeah, it's awesome. It, it's so good. It's an easy sell, though. Come out in the Australian summer for six months, get a bit of money, do what you're already doing, just change the ball over and um, jump into a great team <laughs> environment. It was an easy sell. So that's why we ended up with so many. And they're just such great girls as well, just really good team people. All of them are. So, they're, yeah, they're just really great people to have on your team. And, and the Aussies have found that out, that, that it adds a, a bit of diversity to the group as well. And something that's pretty topical at the moment with Taylor Harris and Carlton recently parting ways after Carlton couldn't meet her salary demands. What's your stance on this issue around compensation for AFLW players and is there more that needs to be done? Yeah, look, I currently am still teaching and still roll into school three days a week and try and balance that. And there's other girls working full time and and five days a week. And I'm not sure how they're coping because I barely cope now at the moment for three days. But it's tough. It's actually tough. And then 
to be kind of labelled elite when you're technically not, it, it's difficult. So um, I can understand why girls are wanting more money to be able to kind of prof- like play in their professional league and act professional and, and train professionally when the pay and remuneration just doesn't match. It, it's quite unfortunate. But I do think you'll see it happen in the next few years where there'll be girls that can live solely off that. And it's the same, netball was the same. Many years ago, a good friend of mine, Caitlin Thwaites, was waiting tables when she first started with, with the Vixens. So, or Phoenix back then. No, Kestrels. Anyway, she... There are yeah, name changes, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just where it's at. Like, that's where it started. Like, and that's... It's a starting base. And, yeah, we're getting enough to kind of field what we're doing at the moment. But it's not obviously a year long. It's six months. Yeah, so girls have to kind of have that dual career kind of balance of football and, and kind of still work on building their career, whatever that may be. And something that Australian cricket's doing really well, I think, in the female game. They've always been that just that little step ahead, just that few steps with, yeah, anything like that, the, the maternity reimbursement, stuff like that. There's always, they've just set that standard really a lot earlier than AFL, which is great. And we've got someone to kind of chase, I guess, and admire and look up to for that. But um, they are doing really well, the cricketers. And Sparky, as you approach the back end of your AFLW playing career, as you mentioned, what are some of the things that you're putting into place now to help you transition into coaching and what kind of coach do you want to be? Look, I've, I've gone out to kind of some of the junior clubs in the Western suburbs and, and helped out bits and pieces there. I'm still trying to work out what, what area I'd like to kind of head into in terms of yeah coaching and off-field. Um, like I said, I'm completing the play development course at the moment looking at level one and two, um, getting that completed, ready for I was to, to join a, a coaching team. I think probably at the moment for me it's it's that development side of things. So it's more more your kind of uh, pathways, 16s and 18s would, would be where I'd be heading. I wouldn't look to kind of go straight into the AFLW scene just yet. I, I want some, um, yeah, some good backing and look at that development side of things is, is probably where my interests lie. And, again, being a teacher, I feel I can kind of – communicate um, a lot easier to young people and um, yeah I think they'd be yeah, pretty receptive to that as well so yeah I'm, I'm still trying to trying to work out where I'd, I'd best lie. Lauren your impact on the community with all the things you've contributed with being nominated for the Jim Steins Leadership Award and uh, the things you do for the Western Bulldogs Community Foundation there as well has been incredible and you've impacted a lot of kids and you've put a lot of smiles on faces with your footy career good luck and thanks for jumping on. Perfect thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coaching Clubland. A shout out to the talented Aidan Arandes for putting together our podcast theme song. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcast. Feel free to leave a rating and review. To catch the latest updates from the podcast, check us out on Facebook or on Twitter at Coaching Club Pod. Thanks again and catch you around in Clubland.